The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Ah, I see we pick up right where we left off. As Jonah offers to open Warren's memories and help to drive out the evil from Montgomery. The questions are how and what. How will he unlock the memories? How will he defeat the evil? And what are the consequences? But before we begin, a quick reminder that this podcast can contain images of graphic violence, child endangerment, and salty language. It may not be suitable for children under the age of 13. Now... Light some candles, cuddle under a blanket with some popcorn or perhaps some eggnog, and a little nutmeg and cinnamon, and ah, yes, delicious. For after all, it's still the horror days. <laughs> As we tune in for chapter 14, From Darkness to Hope. I don't understand what you mean, Mr. Hollander, Warren said. It wants revenge, detective, he replied. You would make it happy, but me? If it takes me, it will more than please its master, Jonah stated. That's ridiculous, Warren retorted, although he had no idea of what else they could do. Don't worry, detective. I have something planned, Jonah gave him a sinister smile. Are you going to tell me, Warren asked, concerned that his prisoner was going to cause more problems than help. No, Jonah said defiantly. Great, and what makes you think we'll just let you walk out of here? Warren pushed back. Do you have another option? Jonah said. It is high time you and your people started trusting me. Mr. Hollander, I don't even know you, Warren replied. And you want me to trust you? Actually, you do know me, detective. The fact that you don't remember concerns me, he added. I would like to have a look at you, see if I could figure it out. Look at me. You can see me just fine from that cell. No, detective, you're wrong, Jonah pursued. I need to look deeply into your eyes. I believe I'll find the answers there. Warren wasn't sure if he should believe the man or not. If he had met the man before, then there'd be one thing he might know that only Karen knows. For he had only told her and... Give me one reason, Warren said. One that would allow me to believe you. Feathers. You see falling feathers when you sleep, Jonah said. Warren went silent. Yes, detective, Jonah continued. I was there for that. And that you don't remember me or her is very troubling. At that, Warren signaled for the guards. Escort him to the chief's office. Then turning to Jonah, if you can unlock this, if you can restore my memories. I understand, detective. You want your friends around to make sure I don't take advantage of the situation. Jonah Hollander was right. He would be at the mercy of this man, and for that, he'd want to make sure nothing else happened. They entered the chief's office, and Dr. Giles gave up his chair for Warren. Warren explained the situation that Jonah claimed he may be able to restore his memories by looking into his eyes. What an incredulous remark, the mayor cautioned. 
I agree, Dr. Giles added. Is this some sort of hypnosis you're planning on using, Mr. Hollander? No. I sense something, he replied. I have since the moment Warren returned here. There's a deeper mystery than just some lost memories. The room went quiet, and Jonah's eyes began to glow a deep amorist. Look into my eyes, detective, Jonah demanded. I feel like I'm in an old vampire movie, Chief scoffed. No offense, Chief Reynolds, Jonah replied. Hurling doubts and comments already got your detective Moran killed. Maybe you should be quiet and learn something. He returned to Warren's gaze. Open the window to this man. Let me see what he can't, but you can tell me, he commanded. Warren's eyes began to glow, a white light that Jonah could now follow, an unseen corridor to a man dressed like himself, all in brown, but no man he had seen before as a member of his order. From behind the man, he noticed a glow of flickering red. Sam, he said aloud, to which the whole room looked at him. Sam, who the hell's that? Shh, another chided. Indeed it was Sam, and the man standing there was. Sam put her finger to her lips. Warren was not to know. Now I see. Now I understand, Jonas said with a half-smile. What? Warren begged. He desperately wanted to know the answer, to which the figure Jonah could see in his eyes just simply shook his head. No. I apologize, detective. What? For what? Warren now demanded. I now know exactly what happened, Jonas stated. Unfortunately, I'm not allowed to give you that answer, but... But? I was able to restore a small piece I think if you try hard enough, you may remember me and my gift, Uriel. Warren stood there, his hand reaching out to someone no one else could see, an angel dressed in blue, holding out her hand to him, feathers falling like snow in the wind. At that, the chief stood up. Uriel! Once again, his aunt's book on scripture coming in hand. Yes, Chief Reynolds. Uriel. The Archangel. Who the hell are you? The chief demanded. I told you. A new creation, Jenner remarked. And there will be more. Then, we really are dealing with something beyond our capabilities, the chief inquired. Yes and no, Jonah responded. You gentlemen will be very necessary if we are going to be able to defeat this evil. What do you want us to do? Warren asked. Before you ask that, let me warn you. This will eventually come back to haunt you all. Maybe even your families. They don't like mortals knowing the truth. I've got no one, the chief answered. Nor do I, said the doctor, and the mayor added. Neither do I, but... Warren. Warren lowered his face to the table. Karen. Jack. Maybe you can sit this one out, Warren, the chief suggested. That, Jonah answered. That won't matter. Warren's very bloodline is an offense to them. He is already a target. I can try to protect him, but their master, or perhaps I should say mistress, is far older and more crafty than any human, and will keep trying until Warren and his kin are all dead. Then I'm in, Warren responded. I might as well go down swinging. Good, 
That's the attitude the human race needs, Jonah stated. Now, for what I need you to all do. As Jonah began to hatch his plan, Jay Moran found himself encompassed by darkness, an ink-like darkness that offered no hint of light. Where am I? He could hear the sound of chains clanking and water dripping, as if from a distant pool or well. He moved slowly through the darkness as a shape began to unfold before him. A man in a rocking chair wearing a thick brown robe. You. He rushed forward towards the man, but as he reached him, he vanished like smoke. A pair of dark beady eyes gazed at him from where he sat. A lone black crow stood on top of the rocker. Great, he scoffed. <coughs> he mocked the bird and cawed back at it. Caw! Its eyes began to blaze a deep amorist. A voice came forth somewhere from within the darkness. Come, Mr. Moran. Come where? Where Maggie will lead you, the voice answered. Maggie? You mean the crow? Oh, she is much more than that, Mr. Moran. How do you know me? Just follow my instructions. The crow took flight and headed deeper into the shadows. Great. Follow the crow. How do I do that when I can barely see past my hands? A singular speck of light appeared in the distance. Jay could barely make out the crow and reluctantly began to follow its flight. The darkness seemed endless and the sound of his footsteps echoed in the corridors. Finally, after what seemed like years, a doorway of light stood before him. A young lady, all in black, with raven-colored hair and amorous eyes, stood next to it. This way, she said, as it opened into a marvelous garden. Calling it vast would be doing it a disservice. It seemed, like the darkness, endless. A river ran past it towards a towering forest, rising behind it a mountain range like no other. As he crossed the field, he passed a strange structure, a monolithic doorway standing on its own in the middle of a grassy field. Wow, was the only word that crossed his mind, as the wind seemed to carry the sound of every bird and insect imaginable. As he neared the garden, flowers sprung up. Bushes like hedgerows acted like walls, leading all in one direction. He spied a terrace under a cherry blossom tree and hanging from one of its boughs, a lone, flowered swing. On it sat a girl, different from the one that opened the door to the garden for him. She, the girl, was stunning, angelic in her own right. Her hair was almost silver and her eyes a blazing blue as if the sun shone directly through them. The swing slowed, and she smiled at him. Hello, Jason. Hello. I've been expecting you. How? I... He suddenly realized he was no longer in a suit or carrying a gun. His arm, the one that had been torn off, was fully intact. So, I am dead. Yes, Jason Moran, she replied. What was all that darkness? He asked. The shrouded disbelief that you cloaked yourself in, warping and hiding my existence, she replied. Who was that other girl? A friend of a friend. She did me a favor and retrieved you from the belly of that beast. So, God, heaven, they're real? Yes, 
and if you look beyond me and my garden, you can see the edge of the Father's domain. Then, you're at the steps of heaven, she finished for him. And you're welcome to pass on. All you know, and all you have ever known, is waiting for you. Even my... Susie? Yes. Time is transcendental, Jason. You died a long time ago, and yes, just now. She, Susie, hasn't died yet, and at the same point she is still here, waiting for you. But, there's a but, isn't there? She smiled, still the questioning detective to the end. Yes, Jason, there's a but. What is it? Your friend Warren has, and will have to pay a heavy price. While we can't stop what is to transpire, and we can't give you a new life, I can't offer you a way you can help him. For Warren? Anything. He didn't hesitate or question any further. Again, she smiled. Your love for him is admirable. Sam, a little girl about ten with flowing red hair appeared. She almost seemed to radiate her own light, as if she was on fire. Yes, mistress. Mr. Moran will need you and your guidance if we are to be successful. Yes, mistress. Jason, the girl on the swing said. Yes. His heart seemed to leap every time she said his name. Sam here will guide you. You are to do precisely what you are told. Yes, miss. She shook her head. I can't offer you my name. Are you... God? The father? Aldenai? No. I am someone who was, is, and has yet to be. The son? The word? At his name, she and Sam knelt. No, Jason. Although, you can say we're related in a very unique way. Now, go. Follow Sam. This is all I can do for your friends and Jonah. Sam took him by the hand. It was hot like fire, yet it didn't burn. Come, Mr. Moran, she piped, like a sparrow announcing spring. Jay followed, his heart filling with a love and joy he could not comprehend. Yes, he thought. Yes, this is good. And speaking of darkness, Jason Moran... Didn't we kill him? You take this whole, that which is dead may turn a lie thing way too seriously, Mr. Williams. And what does this girl in the garden have planned? And does Jonah know? As we weave and continue to weave all three stories together with drops, hints, names, places, and memories, what will Chapter 15 bring? Find out next week in Growing Urgency. <laughs> to me, that sounds like someone needs a potty break. 